Acts 4, 29 through 31. And now, Lord, behold their threatenings, and grant unto thy servants that with all boldness they may speak thy word by stretching forth thine hand to heal, and that signs and wonders may be done by the name of thy holy child, Jesus. That was their prayer after they were persecuted. And when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and they spake the Word of God with boldness. The Bible says, and you don't have to turn there, but in Acts chapter 8, when Philip, who was an evangelist, he was at, Philip was known as the evangelist and called that. He had preached to the, uh, the Ethiopian eunuch on the, the Gaza road, right? And led him to the Lord and baptized him in a pool of water there. It says, Then Philip opened his mouth and began the same Scripture and preached unto him Jesus. What we're going to talk about, y'all, this morning, God's Word, we've talked about, it, is to be received, is to believed, be believed, and is to be obeyed, and is to be preached. It's to be spoken. You say, well, I'm not a preacher. I understand that everybody's not a preacher. Everybody does not have that calling to be a preacher behind a pulpit. Everybody doesn't have the calling to be uh, an evangelist, to go minister in churches and open-air crusades. Everybody does not have a call on their lives to be a missionary to some foreign country and to bring lost people to Christ through the Word of God. But every single believer has the calling of God upon our lives to preach this Word and to speak this Word and proclaim it. It says they, these disciples, it wasn't just Peter and John, these early church, when they were persecuted, we just read it in Acts 4, they went huddled together and they prayed. And they prayed for boldness to preach His Word. It wasn't like praying for protection from our enemies, keep us from Satan, uh, don't let us get hurt, don't let us get thrown in prison. They prayed for boldness to preach His Word and that God would accompany them. Amen? I don't want to preach His Word if God's not going to accompany me. And the Lord, let it be that You would accompany us with signs and wonders following and that by Your Holy Child, Jesus. And the place where they were was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And it says, they spake the Word of God, verse 31, with boldness. Peter opened his Bible, began, I mean Philip, and began opened his mouth and began to, to get the same Scripture and preached unto him Jesus. God's Word is to be preached. Um, it's the only words of power. It's the only words of power. It's the only words of life. It's the only Gospel that saves a man, a sinful man, is this Word that we have right here. It has to be preached. It has to be proclaimed. God desires that. He's put it in us and He wants to speak it through us. Everybody's not going to stand in a pulpit. Maybe in your whole life you may never stand in a pulpit and open up the Bible and preach anything. But we, we all are called and ordained of the Lord to be ministers of this Gospel and to preach and teach His Word. Not only to lost people, but to save people that they might be discipled and grow. It's the only words of life. When, when a lot of dis, uh, the 70 disciples that Jesus had left and didn't walk with Him anymore. And you know the story. And Jesus turns in John 6 and says, are you going to leave me as well? And Peter opens his mouth and says, Lord, to whom will we go? He goes, thou hast the words of life. That's what he says. You have the words of life. And we, are, we believe and are sure that thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And so, the Lord has the words of life. And He has saved us and begotten us by that same Word, the incorruptible Word of God, 
and he has called and ordained his people to preach his word. So we're talking this morning about the ministry of the word, specifically about the preaching of the word. Paul said, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. There is power in the word of God, power to give life, power to uh, to give eternal life, to bring lost men to Jesus Christ, that they might be saved, power to disciple and discipline a believer, power to encourage, power to uh, to, to do all, all things that the Lord wants you to do. And Paul says, I'm not ashamed of that gospel. It is the power of God unto everyone who believes. And y'all, all of hell is opposing God's word from going forth. You know that. All of the darkness, all of Satan, all the God of this world, and all those demons and everything that goes along and follows the God of this world is trying to oppose the Word of God. They're not trying to stop Islam from going forth. The God of this world is trying to stop the Word of God, thus saith the Lord, from going forth. The, all of darkness and all of hell is coming against the Word of God and what the Lord has said. And, and God, yet He's called us to, to preach it and to proclaim it. God's Word is going to prevail because He prevails. Amen? He's try, the, Satan is trying to stop uh, and a lot of, uh, of what's out there in, in America even today is, is aimed to stop the Word of God from going forth. Remember I told you a few weeks and I really need to follow up on this. I don't know if somebody's heard about it. In California before their state assembly there was a bill it looks like it was going to pass where the governor was Jerry Brown and uh, we're, we're trying to actually uh, ban the sale of Bibles in California because they say it contains hate speech. The Bible contains hate speech. This God of love who is love, but his word, according to them, contains hate speech. And so this is going on not in China. This is going on in California. In the United States of America, we don't have to to even be you know much about the church or anything to know that this has taken place. But yet, His word is to be preached. He's called us to do it. Much of modern Christianity, and I put Christianity in quotes. Much of modern Christianity is of the same mindset. Pretty much, they want to uh, they bring into question on seminaries and college campuses. In Christian schools, they bring into question the reliability of the Bible, the uh, authority of the Bible, um, belittle uh, adherence or obedience to the Scriptures. And uh, it's all an attack upon the Word of God. Amen? And it going forth. And yet, here's just plain people, just plain folk. The early church was made up of just plain people. Okay? Like you and I. And they prayed for boldness to preach His Word. And God <clears throat> shook the place where they were and gave them boldness and they spake it. So not only did they have the power to do it, they did it. They spake the Word of God with boldness. The whole early church, y'all, was birthed out of frail. You would consider weakness. God choosing, choosing the weak things to, to confound the wise and so forth. The foolish things of this world to confound the wise. He chose people. He put His Spirit upon them and in them and saved them and washed them in the blood of Jesus and equipped them and sent them forth in the midst sheep in the midst of wolves. Looks like they're a mismatch, doesn't it? Sheep in the midst of wolves, but He says, Lord, I'm with you always. 
even to the ends of the world. And they went forth everywhere and preached His Word. Satan is trying to stop it. Y'all, not only is it our uh, privilege, I mean, our, our calling is our privilege to preach His Word. He's called us to do that. And I'll just read this. You know the passage. The, the last book in the last chapter of the last book that the Apostle Paul wrote before the Lord called him home. I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ who shall judge the quick and the dead at His appearing in His kingdom. Preach the Word. That was the charge. Preach the Word. Be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. So it's not just for lost people. It's for saved people. You know, that need to hear it and that we need to preach to. He charges men to preach that. Jesus said, go into all this world and preach this gospel to every creature. This is the great commission, right? He that believes and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. And then he goes on to say, and they went forth and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word with signs following. Amen. So it was a call upon the early church. It's a call upon our, our lives as Christians to preach this word. He commanded them do that because he knows that's the only gospel that saves. He knows that hell's going to try to come against it and stop it. But it's not. The, the Lord, uh, Satan cannot stop God's word from going forth. Paul said, I'm bound, but the word of God's not bound when he was in prison. It's still going forth. And the more Satan, Satan tries to cover it up with darkness, the brighter the light's going to shine. And guess what? The Lord, they went forth everywhere and preached, and it says the Lord worked with them. He's always going to work with you when you preach His Gospel. Or when you're trying to disciple a new believer. He's always going to work with you. And specifically, He said here, confirming the Word. You know what? That, it's just the Lord saying, yea and amen. When... when Sherry gets up at work and shares the gospel with a co-worker and tells them how the Lord can heal you and save you and your family. And the Lord is confirming that. Okay? The Lord confirms that. And specifically with signs and wonders following, the Lord is in that. You understand what I'm saying? He doesn't just send you out and sit back and see how it goes. The Lord is with us. And He's working with us in a mighty way for His, for His own glory. Uh, it's not up to us, y'all. This has been a great piece to me. And it ought to be a great piece to you. It's not up to you and I to invent the message and figure out what we're going to say. Well, in 2018, people are different and, and society's changed and culture has changed. Yes, all that's changed. But yet, the Bible says there's nothing new under the sun. Right? There's still a dark world in sin. And there's still a, a living Savior who's the light of the world. And His Word, He has still chosen to, for the, through the foolishness of preaching for those people to be saved and then to be discipled and grow in Him. And so we don't have the responsibility or the pressure put on us to, to invent the message for the day or for the hour. That's what I appreciate, appreciate, appreciate about someone like Franklin Graham who will get on TV. And every time I watch him, he always... Uh, no matter what they're asking him about a flood or, you know, Samaritan's Purse is helping with a flood or whatever, he's always going to preach the gospel. He's going to get it in there. He doesn't have to change it up for this day and age. He shares the gospel of Jesus Christ. And uh, we just have to preach it. We don't have to make it up or invent it and say, well, I don't know, my, my classmates, they're all 
uh, believe in evolution. They're all Darwinists. You know, they're all atheists or humanists. So what? The, the gospel is still a gospel to save. He's still going to work with you, confirming the word with signs and wonders following. They'll believe or they won't believe, but there's not a different message for you to bring them. It's the same message. And that for me is a great relief that it's almost like I'm freed up from that burden. I can just be a servant of Jesus Christ. I go out into this dark world and I'm a servant of Jesus Christ. The Bible says Noah was a preacher of righteousness. We don't know of any converts that Noah had other than his family got on the ark with him, right? And the whole world perished. But the Bible says he was a preaching, preacher of righteousness and by his preaching, he condemned the world, the Bible says. We say, wouldn't it be better if they'd be saved? Yes. The Lord's not willing that any perish. He wants all to come to repentance. He wanted everybody to get saved, but they didn't get saved because they have a choice to make. But the message didn't change. He preached, and by his preaching, he condemned the world. And so we're called to this. God's word has power. It says, now to, uh, to him that believeth not, it says that the word is foolishness, but unto us that are saved, it's the power of God. The preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us that are saved, it is the power of God. Well, we need to walk in the power of God. His praise and His Word needs to be on my lips. I need to be ready to speak. There's times God wants us to be quiet, but we need to be ready to speak, if you know what I mean. We need to be primed and ready at work. And somebody says, my wife just left me. We need to be able to speak the Word of God. Be ready to not just give them uh, Dr. Phil. Be ready to give them, thus saith the Lord, from the Word of God. God's a mender of the broken hearts. He can do what you don't think can be done right now. They're going to tell you all the reasons they couldn't be reconciled to their spouse and it's impossible. And you could say, well, the Lord says what's impossible with men is possible with God. Be ready to bring His words of hope, His word of life into every situation. Like be primed and ready for those opportunities because He gives us that. He sprinkles us on this planet, believers, as salt and light. He puts you where He wants you to be. And He puts people in your life that I'll never see and people in my life you'll never see. And we're all to be ministers of this gospel. The Lord said in Jeremiah, you don't have to turn there in 23, but he says, it's not my word of fire and like a hammer that breaks the rocks in pieces. His word has power, y'all. And has power. Satan's not going to prevail over it. Darkness is not going to prevail. Darkness is going to make you think that darkness is going to win. One of the greatest tools of Satan is he's an intimidator. And he's excellent at it. He's perfected it. He's going to tell you a lie and tell you he's going to win, and you're going to lose, and you're almost tempted to believe it because he's so convincing. If we looked at our nation, and just looked at the nation, the direction that things are heading morally, and spiritually, and in ungodliness, okay? If we just looked at the circumstances, we'd say, it's done. we passed some tipping point, and it's going down this slippery slope very fast. And I don't know what's going to happen with our nation, but I do know it's not impossible for God to turn it around. And I'm going to stand on that. I'm going to live that way and die that way. That would be the same for an individual's life or a nation. Okay? It's nothing for the Lord. Satan wants to intimidate you. And yet, God's Word is still going to prevail. Because God prevails. He, it's going to stand. And He wants us to stand upon it. And he, His Word still quickens. His, his Word still gives life. His, still, his Word still exposes darkness and sin. Nothing else can do it, okay? If there's a bunch of sin going on in a person's life or a, a, a nation or a church or whatever, is the only thing that will expose that 
and bring it to the light would be the Lord. And He's going to do it by His Word. Somehow, if it's going to be exposed, it's going to be exposed by the Word of the Lord. His Word gives comfort. His Word corrects. His Word prevails. Amen? It's to be received, believed, obeyed, and it must be preached. Just listen to this. You know the passage. I'm reading from Romans 10. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on Him in whom they have not believed? How's it going to happen? How are people going to call upon a God that they don't believe in? And how are they going to believe in Him whom they've not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? Well, God has sent all of us, okay? That part's taken care of. And I know churches ordain people and send them out as well. But all of us, if we're born again, we've been sent, okay? How beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. Well, it's not accepted everywhere, is it? No, and it's not going to be. The Lord said it would be this way. That's why it says, He that believes and is baptized is going to be saved, and he believeth not is going to be damned. Because he knows that everyone's not going to believe. Yet it still is to go forth. Amen? It's such a joy to know the Lord. It's such a joy to be part of His Uh, the salvation that He gives and a recipient of this gift of eternal life. And it's a joy to preach His Word. Washed in His blood, filled with His Spirit, empowered by His Spirit. And He calls us uh, not only to walk in the light of this Word, but to preach this light. Amen. Amen. To preach and teach this light and this Word to others. Okay? Uh, So that they can come to know Jesus and walk in the Lord as we're in the Lord. The Bible says, um, the Bible says, Jesus says that uh, he that have, if my words abide in you, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, my words, you shall ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. Here is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit. So shall you be my disciples. If we abide in Christ and his words abide in us, People need to know the Word of God. They need to know that that's what John, Jesus said in John 15 and to walk in it. Paul said, whom we preach, Colossians 1.28, whom we preach warning every man and teaching every man. So what is he doing? Paul has this great burden upon his life, this great calling. Remember, woe is me if I preach not the gospel. You know what I mean? He just couldn't help himself. He was called by God. He knew it. There was a fear of God, but he just knew this is the calling on my life. Woe is me if I preach not the gospel of God. And he said, whom we preach warning every man, teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. That's the only way way man's going to be perfect is in Christ. And the only way they're going to be in Christ is if somebody brings this gospel to them and they believe it and then are discipled in this same word. Amen? The Lord brings us along. I want you to turn with me in your Bibles. We're going to turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We really could read a good portion of this chapter, but for our purposes today, we're just going to read 5, 18, and 19. And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to Himself by Jesus Christ, and salvation, and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. That's our calling as ministers, to wit that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto Himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. That is not just for ministers. It's not just for pastors. We are ambassadors for Christ. We've been given this ministry of reconciliation. 
And if we're given that ministry, we're also given the equipping and the power and the wisdom and the ability to do it. We have to stay on our faces before the Lord in prayer. You know, uh, getting ready to go out to college campus, getting ready to go to work, wherever we go, we need to be before the Lord in prayer like those early disciples and the place was shaken. They were filled with the Spirit and they went forth in power and spake the Word boldly. But it's still, we don't have to make up the Word. We have it. We, we need to be ready. <clears throat> Proclaiming God's truth, y'all, it glorifies the Lord. You understand that the preaching Noah, we talked about him a second ago, Noah's preaching, even though no one was converted. And there were Old Testament saints that did get saved, okay? We, you know, Noah was one of them. But even though no, no one responded by faith to Noah's preaching other than his family, it still glorified the Lord. It still glorified the Lord. And I think it was Clendenin, I forgot who, in one of his sermons, he said that uh, Noah was the greatest preacher that ever lived. I think he was listening on the radio. He had to pull over the car and stop for a second. He goes, i got to hear this. <clears throat> How was Noah the greatest preacher that ever lived? As far as I know, he didn't win one person to the Lord except his family. But he was 120 years in building the ark. The Bible says he was a preacher of righteousness. And it says that everyone he didn't get saved, he damned. There was no middle of the road. People responded and got on that ark. His family, it was few. Eight souls, the Bible says. Or they were damned. And by his preaching, he condemned the world. But I can promise you that his preaching glorified the Lord. When we preach the truth in love, when we preach, thus saith the Lord, even if people don't come and respond, and certainly we want them to. That needs to be our, our heart's prayer, okay? That men would be saved. But even if they don't believe the preaching of the truth, it still glorifies the Lord. I just picture his word just going forth. It's just going out there. It's going out. Missionaries right now today in some foreign country and the word's going out and they're around a bunch of uh, you know, spiritualists or Hindus or Buddhists and they're just going out preaching the word of God right now. And people are looking at them funny and people are wondering you know, when they turn their backs, they're going to hit them over the head with a stick and how they're going to burn their church down and things like that. And they're just glorifying God. They're preaching his word. Amen. Those I think about uh, uh, Jim Elliott and his companions that went and preached to those uh, tr those tribes in South America, and they didn't see the converts in their day. If you know the story, they were they were uh, martyred for the Lord. They had spears thrown through them and were killed before they really got set up and going uh, in their missionary activity. They had a burden for souls. They laid it all down for Jesus. They went to these tribal lands to bring the gospel. They gave their lives there and out of the blood of the martyrs sprouted up souls that came later. They got saved directly because of their testimony. God is glorified when we preach His Word even if men don't believe it and don't receive it. It still honors the Lord. We need to know that and understand that. And so... Uh, God gives us that privilege, but He also gives us that calling. We don't stop preaching it simply because people don't want to hear it. You know that. We don't stop preaching it because people don't like it. We don't stop preaching and teaching it because it's become uh, outdated and not part of our culture or society today and people don't want to hear it. I've heard story after story similar to that in California and even 15 years ago, you know, billboards put up in certain neighborhoods 
with just a scripture on it. Just a billboard with the scripture and the scripture notation at the bottom. And the city council making them take it down because it was hateful. Hate speech. According, and they did. They had to bring it down. We don't start stop proclaiming it simply because the laws of the land are contrary in the day in which we live either. You know, that underground church in China, from what I hear reports and you've heard, is flourishing. And sometimes the churches in those persecuted places do way better than the churches where they're not persecuted. Because they're not stopping. They believe it. They believe it enough to die. If they die, another one's going to come up and preach it. And they kill this one and another one pops up. You know, when, when Saul was breathing out threatenings and wreaking havoc in the church before he became Paul, the apostle, he was Saul of Tarsus, the persecutor of churches. And he went everywhere persecuting the church and hauling pre- people off to prison. And, and uh, the blood of the martyrs was being shed. And they sh- shed Stephen's blood. And guess what? It was just The church was growing like wildfire. Because people that were getting saved were really getting saved. And they said to live is Christ and to die is gain. And I'm going to preach this word. And they went everywhere preaching the gospel. You just picture, I know I've given the example before, we got a little uh, embers of a, of a campfire. <clears throat> the little fire's kind of dying out. There's still some coals there. And you're in a bunch of dry leaves and sticks around you. Go, the, the way to put that fire out would not be to stomp on it with your foot. Because it's going to send little sparks flying out. You're going to have a forest fire pretty soon. But Satan thinks he's going to squash it out like a bug. And every attempt he brings to squash it out, it spreads it further. Because the people are going and bringing the Gospel. And they're okay with dying. You understand what I'm saying? Nobody wants to and nobody would choose that. But they're okay with it. I understand this is part of the call of God upon my life. That I belong to Him. And I'm going to preach this word, whether it's legal or illegal, whether it's popular or unpopular. Yes, there's times God would have you to be quiet. We have to be wise. We don't have to cast our pearl before swine. We're not to go out and just stir up a hornet's nest just for the purpose of showing, hey, look, I got persecuted. You know, you have to be wise and I have to be wise. But at the same time, there needs to be a great boldness in the Holy Ghost that we're not afraid of the mob or the individual or the law or the prison bars, or whatever it may be. Or the sword of Islam. We're not scared of that. That boldness is not going to come because I'm a really courageous God. The boldness is going to come from the Lord Almighty who inhabits our hearts and minds and gives us the boldness and says, get back up there and let's go. Lo, I'm with you always, even unto the ends of the world. And that's what we see with the early church. And and uh, it's... He's called us. He's entrusted us with this. He's entrusted us with something special. You know, during the tribulation period, after the church's rapture, there's still going to be people getting saved. They're going to seal their testimony with their blood. Somebody gets saved in the tribulation, they're going to be they're going to die for the Lord, for the most part. You know, unless they happen to survive somehow. But um, in the in the tribulation, there'll be angels flying through the atmosphere, visible to men. Saying, repent for the wrath of the, of the Lamb is here. And they're still not going to repent of their sorceries and their murders and their thieves and, all, and their idolatry and all their sin. But God doesn't have angels flying through the atmosphere right now. He has men and women born of His Spirit, His church. And He wants you to open your mouth. Young people and old people and middle-aged people and men and women, singles and married people. He wants us to open our mouths. The Bible says, and just listen to this this first. This is our commission. 
The Bible says in, in 2 Tim, 1 Timothy 3, it says, for without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. That God was manifest in the flesh. That was in the person of Jesus Christ. He was uh, justified in the Spirit. He was seen of angels. He was preached unto the Gentiles. It's all part of His coming. Preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in this world, received up into glory. And we're part of that as well. Preached to the Gentiles, believed on in this world. We have that calling. That's part of Jesus. That's part of His purpose. That's part of His purpose for this earth and for men created in His image is that He would be believed on, preached on in this world and believed on in this world. We're called to that. Amen? Uh, sinful men may choose to stay in their sin. That's their choice. God will never rob a man of their free choice when it comes to choosing Jesus or not. Alright? And yet, uh, they might want to stay in their darkness, but the Lord's Word exposes it. It gives them no place to hide. The Bible says, Jesus said, and uh, he, this is the condemnation that lights come into the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. Okay? They don't want to come, it says, he that's in the darkness wants to stay in darkness. They don't want to come to the light because their deeds, their evil deeds will be exposed or manifest or reproved. And yet, we're still to preach it. They're without excuse. When we preach it, the people that listened to Noah and heard him and called him a fool or whatever they called him, building a big old boat in the middle of a dry ground on a hill in the desert and called him a fool and an idiot while they're indulging in all their sin and all flesh is being corrupted in God's sight, uh, they want to expose their, uh, they want to hide their darkness and sin, they want to cover it. They didn't want it being exposed by a preacher telling them. Okay, they're going to always try to shut up the preacher. But the people in Noah's day were without excuse. Just like it says in Romans chapter 1, so those that reject the Lord today, so that they are without excuse. And we need to know that. And we need to be part... Uh, remember, it glorifies God whether people believe or don't believe. And they're not going to believe if they're not preached to, like we read in Romans. But even if they don't believe... It glorifies the Lord Jesus Christ. John the Baptist, y'all, he preached to um, he preached to Herod, and Herod wanted to kill him. And I'll just read this, y'all. And many other things in his exhortation preached he. That's speaking about John the Baptist unto the people. But Herod the Tetrarch, being reproved by him, so Herod's words. I mean, John the Baptist's words, preaching the truth, reproved Herod. For Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, and for all the evils which Herod had done, added yet this above all, that he shut up John in prison. So what does he do? He tries to stop the messenger. He wants to kill the messenger, John the Baptist. That's, all the way, that's always the way it is. But guess what? God will raise up another. And God will raise up another. And God will raise up five more over here and ten more over here. Let's just be spent. Paul said, I'd, rather, I'd gladly be spent for you. I'd, rather, I'd gladly be used up for you. And that's what God's called us to do and to preach this Gospel. And so, John had told Herod, it's not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. Because Herod had taken his brother's wife. And, and so what does he do? He shuts him up in prison and then to please some other people, he chops his head off. Victory, I've got him. Here's his head in the charger. It didn't happen. 
Because Paul had finished his course. He had introduced the Savior of the world. And Jesus came on the scene. And, and John had already said, I've got to decrease that He might increase. That needs to be our attitude, even in our preaching. We've got to decrease that He might increase. It's not about me. It's about the Lord Jesus Christ. And if I wasn't here, He'd have somebody else. Amen? It's not all about me. It's about the Lord and what He wants us to do. And we need to proclaim this Christ and His Word privately. <clears throat> we need to proclaim it publicly. And to go forth bearing His reproach outside the camp. It's easy when we're all together like this. And it's needed when we're like this. This is needed. This is where we're equipped. <coughs> Equipping of the saints. It gets harder when we step outside and people are giving you a funny look and then worse. Okay? And cursing you out and so forth because of bringing um, the Lord. But we need to be quick and ready to bring thus saith the Lord into every situation. Y'all, it's very important in our preaching that we that we proclaim the truth and preach the truth in love. We're not just robots zoned out, not caring what's... We're not just a megaphone and a, a recorder that loops over and over and over just spouting out the same words. We've got a heart. And God, if, we can, if He can get hold of our hearts and give us that compassion for the lost, then nobody could stop us. If He would get hold of our hearts and give us that compassion, nothing could stop us from getting out there with a pocket full of tracks and going and handing them out to people. It just couldn't be. Stop. And so if we're in prison, we'd preach to those in prison. You understand what I mean? But it's the heart. And so we need to be sure that we speak God's Word wisely, okay, boldly, by the power of the Holy Spirit, in love, but speaking the truth in love that you may grow up in Him in all things which is in Christ, the head of the church, okay? Growing in love. And so, again, we're not to be obnoxious just in and of ourselves. We're not to just go try to stir up some problems just to stir up some problems. Um, mindlessly speaking uh, John 3.16 over and over again. Yes, preach John 3.16, but have a heart to it. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Really care about the people, even though you don't know them. Let it be your heart's desire, and God's the only one that can do it. I want to care that these people get saved. I don't want to just uh, discharge my duty and be done with it. You told me to preach and I preached. Okay, I'm done with it. Now I'm going to go watch TV. No, we want to have the heart to where we're invested in this. To where we care that they come to know the Lord. They may not, but I want my heart to break with how God, God's heart breaks when they do reject the Lord. I don't want to just say, oh well. You understand what I mean? And I want to go to the next person as God would send me. And so, uh, speaking the right word, y'all, in the right season as well. Not just spouting off, like I said, mindlessly, but being uh, led by the Lord. His, his word is of immeasurable value to men. The lost men and the saved men. The word of God. And it must be proclaimed. Amen? It must be taught and preached. And uh, y'all turn with me. I got one more scripture I want to turn to, and then a couple of points I want to make uh, as we move forward. Psalm 19. God's word has such a value to men, and there's nothing else that has this type of value. There's nothing else that can replace it. And that's why y'all, so much of modern Christianity has just got into the social gospel, and it's no different than just kind people wanting to do kind deeds. 
And there's nothing wrong with con people doing con deeds, but it is of, of no eternal value. It's of no spiritual value. And it is not what the people of God are called to. We are very specifically called, you go into this world and preach this gospel. You teach men to observe whatsoever I've commanded you. <clears throat> it's Peter talking to Jesus saying, you have the words of life. Well, guess what? You and I have the words of life as the Lord's in us. In this social gospel where we're really no different than the Peace Corps or through some, uh, we're no different than some humanitarian uh, organization, that's not what we're called to be. It's a good way to fit in and blend in with people and not make enemies. It's not a good way to fulfill the call of the Lord upon our lives. And it's no way that men are going to be saved. Me handle them a bottle of water and a jacket when it's cold. I can do it in Jesus' name. But just doing those things without bringing the Gospel, they'll have a little water and they'll have a jacket and they'll die and go to hell. They need Jesus. We're called. We're ministers of reconciliation. He's given us a specific ministry. And it's not to make peace with the world. Because look, we're kind like you are. We care about the AIDS victims like you do. We care about helping people with the flood like you do. We do help in those situations, and we ought to. And we ought to be the first ones to help in a flood. But we better bring, thus saith the Lord, with it in this gospel that's saved. Look at Psalm 19, 7 through 11. The law of the Lord is perfect. Remember, this is Old Testament. They didn't have half the Bible, okay? Or it's before Jesus coming and everything. Converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is pure, making wise the simple. This. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. This is what God's Word does for a man. It's invaluable. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Moreover, in them is thy servant warned, and in keeping of them there is great reward. Hallelujah. This is just a few scriptures on the Word of God. It's benefit to men. Say that. Try to say that about any other word that's been written by any other person that's ever lived. And none of them would compare to the Word of God. It's settled in heaven. Now I want to say this, y'all. I want to talk about uh, as we're, we're bringing this to a close, when we preach the Word. i got four, four points here about <clears throat> how we're to preach God's Word. And, and I just want to say this. When we preach the Word of God or teach it, so you're teaching Sunday school, you're teaching a Bible study in your neighborhood, you're teaching the kids upstairs, you're teaching a ladies' Bible study, you've been asked to teach the whole series or one of the, the parts of it, or you're sharing on a men's retreat, whatever the case, you're teaching your children, at home, always balance your doctrine. Let your doctrine be balanced. I'm kind of shifting gears a little bit, but I want—I think this is important. Let your balance, your doctrine be balanced one with another. I think it's Hosea that says uh, that we don't want to be like a cake that's unturned. You picture a pancake, and you put it in the, the, the pan, a little butter in the bottom. You put your stuff in. I've kind of learned to make pancakes and do it every now and then. And, and if you just walk away and leave it, that one side's going to get black as that skillet, and the top is still white and bubbly and, and raw. Okay? And so that would be like our, our doctrine has to be balanced. Okay? And what I mean by balanced, I mean it needs to be you balance one doctrine by another doctrine. I'll give you an example. The sovereignty of God. Is the sovereignty of God... Uh, 
biblical fact. Yes, it is. God's sovereign. Okay? He does His will. His good pleasure. No one stops Him from doing that. But I have to balance the sovereignty of God with the free will of man when it comes to a person being born again or lost. Because if I just look at the sovereignty of God, then I have to throw out a whole, whole lot of the Bible and say man doesn't have a choice. It's all up to God who's saved and who's damned. But if I just looked at the free will of man and, and saw that God had no part in it, it would be, a, or if I thought that God was not sovereign, you understand what I'm saying? We've got to balance a doctrine with another doctrine. Um, repentance, for example, is spoken of as a gift in the Bible. And yet, man still has a responsibility to repent. And he holds men responsible when they don't repent. So, there's a balance there. And you can get out of whack. And, and we don't preach our pet doctrines. We don't preach our and live and die on, uh, on pet doctrines. We're to balance a doctrine with another doctrine all through the Bible. So it's important that I know the Word of God myself and that uh, I balance that doctrine rightly. <laughs> Another thing, state um, when we're preaching God's Word and we're all called to do it, balance our doctrines, okay? Uh, Paul said, I have not shunned to declare unto you the whole counsel of God. I didn't just give you part of it. I didn't just give you grace. I didn't just give you repentance. I didn't just give you heaven and hell. I didn't just give you prayer life, whatever. He said, I have not shunned to declare unto you the whole counsel of God. It doesn't mean we use every Scripture and every Bible example, but we've got all the teachings there. We've got them in their right uh, strength and priority. And we're balanced one to another. Okay, Not the way we think it should be balanced, but the way God's Word balances it. And the way He says it in His Word. Second of all, this is important. State biblical doctrines in scriptural language. You might think that sounds a little funny. But just listen to them. Say it again. State biblical doctrines. Say salvation. Repentance. Whatever it may be. In biblical language. I want to read this from a commentary that I was reading. He says, we have the Bible. One, one cannot do better than what the Lord has already given us. Okay. In other words, making up new language. Have you all seen this? I've seen it in our day. I see it in Christian songs. I see it in Christian books and, and speakers and pastors. Where they have to come up, they feel this, that they have to come up with some new words that makes it sound like they found some hidden truth. Or they're the holders of some secret thing. I've got to go to old brother so-and-so because he's talking about this. And, and never heard it put that way before. <clears throat> I'm just going to read a couple of sentences here. Modernism would have us to adopt softened words for sin, for regeneration, for hell. Such language, we are told, is antiquated, like talking about sin. Forcible terms like the blood, grace, and salvation are going out of fashion. NIV Bible, I don't know things 40 years old probably, but the NIV, if you've ever studied a comparison between, say, the King James and the NIV, uh, it was purposely changed. You don't change it for no reason, you change it for a reason, right? They have smart people, intelligent people on this committee that oversaw the rewriting of the Bible to make a new translation. And in the new translation, I'll just give some examples. Every time in the King James where it says master, that's a strong word, right? Master. That means you're above me. That means I'm under 
I'm your servant under your authority. And they said many times of Jesus, Good Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? But Master, who, who, to whom would we turn? It's used in the Bible in the King James. Well, the NIV changed every time you say Master, it, it changed it to good, to good Sir. Well, that changes it, doesn't it? Good Sir, you could say to anybody, somebody you meet on the street, Sir. That's not the same as Master. As it's changed for a reason. Every time the King James would talk about uh, fornication and homosexuality in terms like fornication and uncleanness, the NIV changes it to immorality. Or lying's immoral. You know, anything's immoral. But they want to specifically soften. And there, I have lots of other examples. But my point is, <coughs> state biblical doctrines in biblical words. You're not going to improve upon it. It's given the way it's given, okay? In the Hebrew and in the Greek and the Aramaic. <clears throat> and I know that King James is about the closest one that came from the majority text. And I don't want to get into that right now. But my point is that we, we don't have to soften it. We don't have to change it. Uh, I remember uh, pastors speaking about spiritual intelligence. In fact, more than one. And I thought, what is that? been saved for a long time. Do they mean wisdom? What are they talking about? Spiritual intelligence. But they use the word spiritual intelligence. Everybody's ears perked up. And they thought, well, we got some new things. We're going to go sit at his feet and hear what he has to say. Yeah, we're spiritually intelligent. But what is that? If you mean wisdom, then say wisdom. Why would you have to change that up to make it say something uh, different? I remember a pastor on TV of probably the largest or one of the largest churches in Baton Rouge years ago uh, saying we're all just a bunch of goofballs and you know God knows we're just a bunch of goofballs and does he mean sinners? Right. Is that what he mean is that what he means that we're all just sinners cuz but why do we have to feel the need to change it up just speak his word let it stand on its own it's enough i think God when he gave it knew how to give it right I'm, that doesn't mean you can't give a parable or an example or a real life example or explain it maybe in natural words. You know, I don't mean natural words, and more after you've given the scripture to maybe embellish, not embellish, to talk about and expound on it a little bit. But, but use spiritual and scriptural words to give doctrine. Amen? I also say this when we're preaching God's word, two more points here. Don't make something necessary that the Bible doesn't make necessary. In other words, if I'm going to tell Eric, he'll say he's lost and I'm coming to him with the Gospel. Come to him with the Gospel. Don't add on that. You better tithe and give 10%. Starting from this day forward or you're going to hell. That's not part of the Gospel. Okay? If I'm going to bring him, don't, don't uh, make something necessary that the Bible doesn't make necessary. At the same time, don't minimize something the Bible doesn't minimize. If the Bible says unless you repent, you're going to perish, then guess what? I'm not trying to soften that and make it seem like something else. Jesus said unless you repent, you're all likewise going to perish. So He preached repentance. And, and make that clear. Don't minimize something the Bible doesn't minimize. And don't uh, make necessary something in doctrine okay, that God doesn't make necessary in His Word. All right, The Judaizers added... Yeah, faith in Jesus is great. But the Judaizers said you've got to keep the law of Moses in order to be justified, to be righteous, to be saved, to go to heaven. That's a lie. That is a false doctrine. Paul rebuked them for that. And he rebuked the Galatians for listening to it. 
Alright? So that's adding something and making something necessary in that case for salvation that God didn't make necessary for salvation. We have to watch that. And the last thing, and to me this is one of the most important thing, combine your doctrine with your practice. Combine your doctrine with your practice. If I'm going to be telling people, be holy for I am holy. And this is a sin. And that's a sin. And we need to love the Lord with all our heart, soul, and mind. And we need to love our neighbors as ourselves. And we need to pray without ceasing. And we need to be generous in our giving. We need to be prefer others before ourselves. If I'm preaching that, and I should, don't stop preaching it. Let your doctrine 